Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ben Jarofsky on this snowy day. Let's hear that song of the day. Yeah, I heard this song last night while I was washing the dishes, okay? You make me feel like a natural woman. Uh, yes, you do. Dee, 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 dee. Oh, thanks, Ben. <laughs> That's my... Uh, that's the Carol King version of it. You want me to do the Aretha Franklin version? The Ben Jarofsky show starts now. No. <laughs> okay. It is Thursday, February 13th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky show. Today on the program, we're talking progressive politics and Bernie, Bernie, Bernie with In These Times writer Miles Camp Lassen. And our Cannabis Conversation series continues with Lisa Solomon of the Chicago Reader and Sparky Rose. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Scarlet Letter Thursday. And here's why. My Sun-Times headline said it all. Beloved bright one, home delivered as always. If it's up to City Hall, they'll never work for this town again. Then you open it up to page 12 where the story is. And then, come on, D. I know you're more of a Tribune guy when it comes to headlines. But come on, D, on this headline. You're not wrong about that. Hold your hire. Like fire. Oh, wow. Now this is a, it's a, it's pretty good. Now this is a Sun Times exclusive. Shout out to Fran Spielman, who we share this office space, a studio space with. She she uh, records her show here as well. Uh, Fran Spielman. This is a Sun Times exclusive based on what, what did they do? Twenty nine page list of untouchables released to the Chicago Sun Times in response to a freedom of information request. So there's no Tribune counterpart that I can turn to D, so you could then judge like which is better. Now, folks know, have heard this bit. D loves to tribute headlines. I'm more of a sometimes headline guy. Hold your hire. Turns out, in its infinite wisdom, the city of Chicago, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, has a do not hire list. That means once fired, once removed from office, you are never, ever, ever, ever E-V-E-R to be hired again. That's correct. Thank you, Mueller. Unless, of course, there's some process you can go through to clear your name. I think it's like once every two years. But it reminds me sort of of like there was a TV show way back in the day, long before Dr. D was born, probably before long before any of you were born, called Branded. Branded. And in this TV show, Chuck Connors uh, played a former, was a Civil War soldier who uh, was unfairly, unjustly accused of cowardice, I think it was, D. Don't quote me on this. And they kicked him out of the army they branded him branded and they took his sword and they broke it over their legs so he could never use his sword again which is kind of funny it's like we could just get another sword you know what i mean but anyway they broke the sword that's the only part of the show i remember and that's what they're doing in the city of chicago 
That show sounds awesome. <laughs> it was actually not a, my memory says it was not a bad show. We're talking about a show that aired somewhere in the mid 60s. So folks, memory's a little faulty on uh, my part. So don't rush to watch it. But I'm just saying it had a great opening where they took the sword. And and Mad Magazine, can I just, I know I'm in a tangent within a tangent. Matt, I love Mad Magazine. They did a parody of Branded, but they when they broke the sword, they had the wrong end. So when the guy broke the sword over his leg, he cut his leg off. I thought that was hilarious back. Anyway, Mad Magazine. Where was I? Branded for life. Oh, yes. Do not hire list. I've got a lot of issues with do not hire list in general. Uh, now, I understand if somebody is uh, charged and convicted of a very egregious crime uh, that uh, he or she should not be. Let's say you're a, a public school employee uh, who has abused children. Yes, you should be on a do not hire list. You should not be put in a position where you can abuse more children. Duh. But a political do not hire list? I don't know. You know, like, it just kind of rubs me the wrong way. It's like the inner civil libertarian in me. You understand what I'm saying? I got that inner civil libertarian in me, the inner ACLU uh, member in me, sort of like the inner Republican that exists within me, D, okay. that uh, is awakened every time I get my property tax bill. Good, David, runner had a point. No, he didn't, folks. But I'm, you know, just saying. Anyway, back to uh, Brandon for Life, Do Not Hire. Uh, Fran Spielman's story, excellent story. I urge everybody to check it out. Wait. Yay for our teachers! <laughs> Yay for our teachers! Did you say Bruce Rauner? <sighs> yes, I did. <sighs> Thank God you've got your computer back. Yeah, no kidding. Could you, do, could you play the Rauner thing yesterday? No. Oh, man, I missed it. Yay for our teachers. Then, of course, the next part is yay for Ann Burke. They always you know, forget that part. Bruce Rauner's good, uh, good friends, the Burks. Anyway, uh, moving on. They've banned for life. Uh, they put on the do not hire list Eddie Johnson, former police chief, and Bill McCaffrey, uh, the young feller who was the spokesperson in the law department. Now, let me just say this before we get started. I'm not friends with either man, uh, Johnson or McCaffrey. I don't know either man. I'm not sure I've ever met him. I'm, I know I've never met uh, Johnson. I'm pretty sure I've never met McCaffrey. So I'm just saying I'm looking at this from afar. Uh, so I'm not privy to their version of what went down. They've not told me their version. Uh, neither of them is speaking to the press as to what went down. But let's just break down the, the facts that we know. Eddie Johnson was the police chief. Uh, Mayor Rahm hired him uh, in the av after uh, firing Gary McCarthy. Uh, he served, I think, he did a good job serving as police chief at a very tumultuous time, trying to build, rebuild bridges that have been badly burned between Chicago's police department and its black community in the aftermath of the, the Kwame McDonald video being released. Thought he did an admirable job. I remember he walked uh, with Father Flager. Remember the March, D? We talked about that a lot uh, along the Kennedy or the Dan Ryan uh, when they were protesting budget cuts uh, from uh, the, um, the state budget cuts. So, you know, I thought he did an admirable job at a very difficult time, and he got caught up in an embarrassing scandal. He was kissing a woman who was not his wife at a bar downtown Chicago, all right? City of Chicago was shocked by that, D, shocked and horrified. We, 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 we had that headline going for how many days? We talked about Eddie Gate for how many days, D? You know, city of Chicago is still, it's like 1975 here in the city. We're shocked. Oh, you would We're love that. <laughs> you love the 70s. Wait, 1955. Let's go back there to time. The 70s was kind of a hip swinging time, man. Been 30 years old in the 1950s. 
He's really old, guys. Back in the 1950s, I was 30 years old and listened to Frank Sinatra records. Anyway, Chicago was shocked by that. And Lori Lightfoot was shocked. She said he lied to her. Who knows? I don't know. Lori Lightfoot said he lied. He was fired. They put him on a do not hire list. I think that's over. I think that's overkill. I do not think that Eddie Johnson should be permanently banned from working for the city of Chicago. We don't even know what went down uh, between uh, in the conversation between Eddie Johnson and Lori Lightfoot. I just think it's like humiliating the guy. What did he do that deserves such humiliation? I mean, he gave some solid service to the city of Chicago, and that's the reward he gets? Humiliated? He already had his, his freaking embarrassing uh, escapade paraded on the front pages of all the paper. Now he's on a do-not-hire list. Oh, must never hire Eddie Johnson again because he uh, unforgivable crime of what? Lying to the mayor? We don't know. We don't know what was said between the two of them. Bill McCaffrey. Now, Bill McCaffrey was, uh, he's not nearly as well-known uh, as Eddie Johnson. His story was not splashed across the pages. He was a spokesperson for the city de- uh, law department at the time. And again, I never had any encounters with him uh, when he was a law department uh, spokesperson. Generally don't have the best relations, by the way, D. I just got to share this with uh, public, uh, the communication specialists for the Emanuel administration and the Daily administration Back then, they just didn't want anything to do with me. Can you believe that? Them not wanting something to do with me? Damn, such a nice guy, Take a right? chill pill, man. Yeah. Okay, Rom, I will do that. Anyway, um, this arose from the incident regarding uh, Corporation Counsel Mark Flesner. That was Flesner Gate. Uh, now, we talked a lot about this. Flesner Gate is the Corporation Counsel, the chief lawyer that the city has. He was hired for that job by uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. She should be free to hire as she wants, right, D? She, the Corporation Counsel is the number one legal advisor that the mayor of Chicago has. As such, she turns to him or her uh, for all kinds of advice on all kinds of issues. So it has to be someone that uh, Lori Lightfoot trusts. Uh, someone that Lori Lightfoot admires, someone uh, who Lori Lightfoot thinks has integrity, uh, someone that Lori Lightfoot thinks uh, whose view of law uh, matches her view of law. It's a very important position. And so I, I agree that Lori Lightfoot should be able to hire whoever she wants. So she did a survey of all the lawyers in the world and decided that Mark Flesner was the lawyer best suited to fill this important job. Fine. That's her prerogative, D. She was elected mayor of the city of Chicago. I voted for her. Okay. Turns out. <laughs> it's her prerogative. It's she her can prerogative. do what she wants to do. She, well, in this case, all right. I don't know if she could. Just, I mean, in this case, she could do what she wants to do. Turns out. That was a Bobby Brown reference. Oh, I, I missed that. I know. Well, I know you it did. It was like in this. the 80s. <laughs> uh, in this case, it turns out that Mark Flesner did not live in the city of Chicago, D. No, lived in Naperville, I think. That's a suburb, okay? Furthermore, here's the part that really got to me. Turns out that he voted Republican in the 2018 uh, primary, which meant that he either voted for Jeannie Ives or Bruce Rauner. That staggers me. It's like, what in the world would motivate somebody? I can Okay, I really struggle with this, folks. I understand that not everybody's a Democrat like I am. But what in the world would motivate somebody to vote in that particular primary? Your choice was Bruce Rauner, who is arguably the worst governor this state has. No, he was the worst governor this state has ever had, at least in my lifetime. I mean, in the 50s, too? Yeah, he was. Oh, my God. The 50s. We had some great governors in the 50s. Stratton. Yay for our teachers. Yay for our teachers. William Stratton may have served some time in jail. All right. Okay. 
There you For, go. Forget Stratton. Sounds All like right. a typical Illinois governor. So he's, uh, I would say, now, is he worse than Governor Blagojevich? I got to think about this, okay? Blagojevich, at least. I know Blagojevich is doing time in federal prison, but, uh, you know, at least he got budgets passed, right? He did that. Ronner didn't, couldn't do that. So I don't know. It's it's a we could talk all day. We could have that debate. Is Ronald worse uh, than uh, Bogoyevich? But he certainly didn't warrant re-election. So why would who was Fluster voting for? His, the opposition was Jeannie Ives. Jeannie Ives is probably to the right of the Chicago Tribune editorial board, if such a thing is possible. She is a vehement uh, opponent to a woman's right to choose among other things, gay rights, etc., and so forth. So. I have a hard time believing that he, Flessner, would pick a ballot to vote for Jeannie Ives. Either way, it's a terrible, <laughs> it doesn't show a lot that, uh, it doesn't speak well for the person that Lori Lightfoot would decide should be our corporation counsel, someone who voted in the Republican primary uh, in 2018, but that was her decision. Somehow or other in the fallout of all that, Bill McCaffrey got fired. The the uh, spokesperson for the law department got fired. Flessner didn't get fired. Flessner? <laughs> McCaffrey got fired. And now he's on a do not hi- uh, hire list. How is that fair? How is that right? How is that ju- How is that? That just smells of just bully-like punishment. I don't know. When I look at it all and all, I'm telling you what. I don't think Mark Flessner should be fired. Excuse me, Flasner. I got his name wrong. I apologize. Mark Flesner. I don't believe Mark Flesner. He's listening. He was offended so much. I don't. How dare he? I've got a feeling it'll get, it may get to him. Uh, a, a copy of this may get to him. A transcript of this may get to him. Anyway, I'm not saying that Mark Flesner should be fired for the high crime of being a Republican. But I don't know if he should have been hired in the first place. We got a great show today, everybody. Yes, indeed. Miles Kampflasson will be in the studio talking Bernie, 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 and Bernie. All right? Bernie's under siege. The centrists are losing their minds. My beloved centrists. I love centrists. Many of my best friends are centrists, and they all are losing their minds, and they're all trying to convince me that Bernie Sanders would be utter ruin for the Democratic Party. I don't think a day passes with the centrists uh, not reaching out to tell me that, D. Uh, a lot of reefer talk ahead. Lisa Solomon and Sparky Rose. All things reefer. Reefer's been legalized in uh, the state of Illinois. Did you know that, D? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Just Duh. wanted to see if you're paying attention. So plenty Sparky of Sparky Rose, very cool name for someone who uh, yeah, no, has business with cannabis. Yes, that's awesome. I love it when you call it cannabis. By <laughs> the way, uh, anyway, so plenty of political talk ahead of us. Plenty of uh, reefer talk ahead of us. Before we do any of that, the young man from Alton, the man they call Doctor Doobie, with the news. Hey, how about we find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon, huh? What do you say about that, Ben? I I say it's a great idea. I think so, too. First up, no public events scheduled for our Illinois Governor, J.B. Pritzker. Ben Jarofsky, it's a very snowy day here in the city of Chicago, Uh and apparently the guy has nothing going on today, so I will pose this hard-hitting question to you. Mm -hmm. Does J.B. Pritzker, the richest politician in America, besides Michael Bloomberg, old moneybags Bloomberg, does J.B. Pritzker shovel his own driveway and sidewalk? Well, first of all, again, he's not the richest uh, politician. And uh, presumably Trump is even wealthier. Let's not forget Donnie. All right. Uh, Pritzker's way richer than Trump. Guarantee it. Well, I think he's only worth three billion. 
That's, uh, I, I know only, right? Uh, but uh, young Donald says he's worth more than that, so who knows? Uh, he won't reveal his tax force. But anyway, get to the main point. Yes, yes. and I guess Rauner doesn't count anymore because he's no longer our governor. Uh, I do not believe that J.B. Pritzker shovels his walk. No, I, I don't. I shovel mine today, by the way. Yeah. yeah. How'd that go? You know, it's okay. I, I, I prefer, like, the broom now. I'm, like, I'm really into, like, sweeping off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you did that motion because I didn't know what you were talking about. Yeah, I like the broom. Sweeping. Sweeping. Uh, so, yeah, it was a. La- I, no I, chance at all that J.B. Pritzker shovels his own Well, I didn't say no chance. I just said, you asked me, do I think he does? And no. I, if I'm the richest guy, well, okay, again, I didn't mean to go there. If I have $3 billion, I'm not shoveling my walk. I'll hire you to do it. Yo, D, get over here. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> Some big dumb guy. Hey, I'll do anything you say, Ben. Whatever you say. All right. I shovel my own walk. All right. There we go. (laughs) This J.B. Pritzker. We threw that question over to all of those listening on the live stream chat. Live stream chat. What's happening? Does Governor J.B. Pritzker shovel his own driveway and sidewalk? Several of you have weighed in and we'll be reading your responses before we go to the break. Ben, the Chicago Sun-Times Democratic congressional primary candidate endorsements have been pouring through the headlines Mm. all week. And it looks like a reoccurring Ben Jarofsky show guest has been endorsed. It was announced this week that the Chicago Sun-Times have endorsed Democratic 7th Congressional District candidate one Anthony Clark in his primary election against Keena Collins and incumbent Danny K. Davis. Yeah, I was really... uh Surprised by that, D. You know, uh, Anthony Clark's been coming on uh, whatever show I've had for three years. He's a teacher at Oak Park River Forest, uh, and he ran against uh, Danny K. Davis in 2018. Uh, he, um, I think he's got, uh, I think he's one of the bright voices in the Democratic Party. He's smart. Uh, he's got an interesting view of the world. I love talking to him. I told him, uh, win or lose, he's always going to be a guest on whatever show I have, as long as I have a show, obviously. So uh, I was really impressed. You know, I got this feeling that anybody that I like, mainstream papers will not like. And it's, you know, it's not always true. By the way, Keenan Collins, also in the race. Uh, she's come on the show several times. So, yeah, it's good. It's uh, I was really impressed that Anthony Clark got the endorsement of my beloved bright one. So I guess I have to congratulate my beloved bright one huh? for, uh, you know, anything you'd like to say to Anthony Clark right now. Congratulations, young man. All right. Congratulations. Now, getting a newspaper endorsement is not the same thing as winning an election, and that's going to be a tough election to win. Danny K. Davis uh, has been the incumbent congressperson since the 90s, and uh, you know how people get uh, in uh, when it comes to their, their Congress people. They, they recognize a name, and they go, I'll vote for that person. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's going to be tough to defeat an incumbent congressman, but congratulations, A.C. Yes, a reoccurring guest on the Ben Jarofsky Show, endorsed by the Sun-Times. Ben, things continue to keep looking up for us. Our download numbers have doubled when we started last year. We're slowly but surely developing a natural, organic following through word of mouth and endless content. Endless content, by the way, that you can find at both Chicago Reader and Chicago Sun-Times websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. 
And you know, the last thing we needed was a string of our candidates not getting endorsed. And, <laughs> and we have some Ben Jarofsky candidate curse rumor going around. You know what I mean? We don't want that. That would have been really bad. Yeah. <laughs> like anybody who comes on the Ben Jarofsky show is just not oh, going to get the to... Benny J. Don't go on that don't go show. On it. <laughs> because you won't get endorsed by anybody resembling mainstream Chicago. Not happening, at least right now. Not happening. All Matumbo, right. <laughs> negatory. Hang tight, non sports fans. But Ben, you know what would be about as equally as bad? What? You and me getting on that Mayor Lightfoot's do not hire list. <laughs> Whoa, that would be awful. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, we were just... i got a feeling you might already be on that one, D. <laughs> <laughs> well, for those who don't know, Ben was just talking about it. Yeah, that is a thing. And former Chicago Police Superintendent Eddie Johnson, you just made the list. Yeah, I thought that was really unfair. Again, we don't know. The full story has not been told on, on uh, John, uh, Eddie Gate. Uh, there's always investigations. There's always reports about to come out. That's the thing about Chicago. That's what I'm saying. It's like McCarthyism around here. There always, it's always like, wait for this report to come out. Wait for this report to come out. It's like Kim Fox. It's an endless series of reports and investigations. Wait for this one to come out. So they always keep that cloud over their heads. Wait for this one to come out. And uh, Eddie Johnson served this city well. In the three years that he was police chief, we could argue about whether he uh, was too quiet beforehand on issues of police brutality. But when uh, Emanuel turned to Rahm Emanuel turned to him and asked him to step in a very cr- a critical moment in police relations uh, with the black community, of the city of Chicago, I think he did an admirable job in those three years. He did not deserve this this piling on that's going on uh, and to put, slap him, further humiliate him by putting on a do not hire list. Look. Duh, he wasn't going to get hired anyway. I mean, Lori Lightfoot was not going to hire him. What if the Lori Lightfoot will not be mayor forever, right? You may run in eight years or whatever. <laughs> you never know. So that next mayor may want to hire Eddie Johnson, or maybe not. Eddie Johnson may just want to retire. But just the humiliation of putting him on a do not hire list is overkill. I just the do not hire list in general. I remember when the Board of Education, D, now I'm all fired up on this one. I remember in the Board of Education, the CPS, back in the day, about 10 years ago, this is the age of when we, uh, from uh, Daily to Rom. This was in that anti-teacher day when the uh, the quote-unquote school reformers of the world had decided that everything wrong with public education in poor districts was bad teachers. If we could only get rid of bad teachers, uh, and that's bad in quotes, uh, we could uh, imp- suddenly students from the poorest of neighborhoods would be scoring like students from Wilmette and Lake Forest. That was the attitude they actually had still prevalent in some places so they would fire teachers and put them on the do not hire list i wrote a lot of stories about this i thought it was unfair then i thought it was mccarthyism then i thought this notion of like secret lists that people are punished for life was ridiculous then overkill then and i think it's ridiculous now i do not know what eddie johnson did to warrant this and i certainly don't know what bill mccaffrey did that again is the kid who worked uh, he was the spokesperson for the law department oh yeah i'm probably stepping the following your... comes from the chicago sun times i'm the fired one... up about it <laughs> No, you are. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and the one and only Fran the Woman Spielman, host of the Fran Spielman podcast. It's the personnel equivalent of a scarlet letter that bars them from being hired by the city and raises a red flag for any private employer. That's particularly true for Eddie Johnson, who might otherwise land a job in corporate security. This 29-page list of untouchables released to the Chicago Sun-Times in response to a Freedom of Information request includes 600 89 names. By the way, more than 100 of those have been added in the nine months since Lightfoot took office. 100 since Lightfoot took office. Wow, you're definitely on that list. Hey, come on. 
Do not hire Dr. Doobie. Oh, They'd boy. have to have like three different names for you. Uh, AKA Dr. Doobie, AKA Dr. D, AKA the man, the myth, the legend from Alton, AKA White Lightning, AKA Bald Douchebag. <laughs> All are listed as, quote, ineligible to rehire for a period defined as, quote, indefinite. Wow, that indefinite? That sounds like a long time. For Johnson, the reason is listed as, quote, retirement under inquiry. Also on the do what, not. What does that even mean? Over my head. It's it's so bureaucratic on top of everything else. Re, what is it? Retirement what? Retirement under inquiry. Come on. Mayor Lightfoot, let's just take this do not hire thing. Just like Nancy Pelosi did to Donald Trump's. Oh, that was good. You know, by the way, I'm with you 100%, Nancy Pelosi. I'm not bending in the breeze because my lefty listeners go, we don't like you. Here. There we go. Oh, and there went all the live stream <laughs> listeners. They're not listening now. Also on the do not hire list, Ben mentioned it, former law department spokesman one, Bill McCaffrey. He was fired alongside with Johnson on December. The reason listed for Bill McCarthy. McCaffrey. McCaffrey. I don't know why I have a McCarthy. Yeah. Discharge. What the heck does that even mean? Discharge? Sounds horrible. That sounds gross. Yes. <laughs> Discharge. Eddie Johnson could not be reached for comment, but his attorney, one Tom Needham, said the designation was, quote, completely unnecessary, mean-spirited, and serves no purpose other than to demean and hurt a good man who had a fine career. I agree with Needham. I agree with Needham. There you go. I agree with Attorney Needham. Absolutely. What purpose does it serve to put Eddie Johnson on a duty? He's not going to get hired anyway. It's, there, no one's going to hire him. So why do you, you know, like, like the secret list. This does get back to McCarthyism. The secret lists. You're on a list. Shh. Shh. Don't tell anybody. Go looking for a job. You don't get the job. You don't get a callback because you're on the list. I haven't got a callback from that one job, guys. So maybe. <laughs> Couple weeks back, remember? Look, man. I had my tie on. <laughs> haven't heard back. Yeah, God bless you, man. You got the, the, the Scarlet Ben Jarofsky letter in this town. Well, you work with Ben Jarofsky. You know, for some reason, I got uh, <laughs> Milwaukee on my mind. I don't know why. You may have to go further away. Than, uh, all the nasty things they said about cheeseheads, I take it all back, cheeseheads, okay? I love you. <laughs> By the way, what a great name for a lawyer. Needham. Needham, man. I need him. Needham's fighting for his client. You know what a lawyer stands up for his client? What an awesome name for a lawyer. All right. I need him. <laughs> no, I need I'm, him. I'm with Needham 100%. Come on. It's overkill. Eddie Johnson was already fired. His name was plastered all over every newspaper. They're talking about it. Oh, we're shocked. Oh, God. Oh, all the Chicago journalist community was just shocked and outraged by these allegations. And oh, my God. So right. why do you put him on a do not hire list? Well, why do you even have a do not hire if list? If we're not on the list, if we keep going, we're going to be. So oh, let's <laughs> move on today. Mayor Lightfoot is at Gallery 7 to deliver Ooh. remarks at the NBA Voices Youth leadership summit this little light of mine i'm gonna let it shine god you got your board back man i missed that all right by the way can i give a shout out to eric zorn yeah absolutely easy eric zorn of the chicago tribune uh and uh he put on his put play the thing he's got d you know, he put it on his... Oh, uh, you, you got to set it up a little better now. Oh, I didn't go to radio school. Eric Zorn sent us a Facebook message last night, uh -huh. and he let us know of his new ringtone that's, that's on his phone. That's right. He's got a new ringtone. Eric, this is legit true. 
Eric Zorn's new ringtone. I'm not a perfect person. <laughs> That's so cool. When he I, he put it on Facebook, I was cracking up, man. <laughs> Could you imagine? That's the ringtone. I am not a perfect person. For 10 trivia points, when did J.B. Pritzker say that? Do you remember? Oh, he said that right after um, the Blago tapes were released, right? Come on, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> he remembers. All right. And by the way, uh, Michael Bloomberg, you might want to listen to that speech as you go around apologizing for your stop and frisk ta- uh, policies. You know, I am not a perfect person. Oh, actually, he did. Uh, we do have a quote from uh, Michael Bloomberg about that. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, it's just the sound of money. Okay. No quotes. Just <laughs> money, the... money, money. <laughs> All right, we just read some of her article. Now you should go download her podcast. It's the Fran Spielman Show. Once a week, Fran the Woe Man sits down and goes one-on-one with a Chicago political figure and puts them in the hot seat. And guys, she's legit really good at it. Listen as a guest gets really comfortable. Then all of a sudden, Fran... Pops him with a great question. Oh, how about a, how about a, it's an awesome podcast. Go check it out. This week's guest, Cook County State's Attorney, Donna Moore. Mm-hmm. For 10 trivia points, what high school did Donna Moore go to? Why would I know that? Ice Cube High School. No, you know, because I already told you. All that reefer you smoked is catching up with you. Remember her older brother went to high school with me? I and just Evans- choose what to hear and not to hear when you talk. But I don't know her. I didn't know her back then. She's younger, you know, like everybody else in the world. She's younger than me. All right, so go download the show. It's the France Spielman Show every week at the Chicago Sun-Times website or wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Like I said, I am uh, I record the France Spielman Show. I'm sitting right here. Donna Moore was giving an interview with Fran. Donna Moore, pretty cool. Seems like just a regular person. She didn't have, like, personnel with her or anything. She just came solo. Mm-hmm. Check the interview out, everybody. All right, now we go to the live stream chat room. Shout out to all of you for weighing in. Today's big question. <laughs> Does our filthy rich Illinois governor shovel his own driveway or sidewalk on snowy days like this. Ben, what was your answer again? Uh, my answer was, I do not believe he does. <laughs> yeah. Believe it or not, everyone on the live stream agrees. <laughs> Pat Rod says, JB don't shovel no sidewalk, but it's okay because he's not a perfect person. <laughs> That's good, That's man. Pretty good. That's pretty good. Send him the car or something, man. All right. More of you. Uh, Kyle. Kyle, you're always hilarious. He says, can the Pritzkers even identify a shovel? Have any Pritzker ever held a shovel or seen a shovel okay. in the wild? <laughs> In a, in a while being the key word. In the wild. Oh, in the wild. Okay, got it. <laughs> uh, let's see. KMA Barry, what's up? He says, JB shovels with his unused toilet plunger. Okay. <laughs> we're never forgetting that one, are uh, we? No, we're not going to get over that one for a while, are we? Okay, let's see. Steven, what's going on, Steven? Uh, he says, uh, oh, he's responding to Kyle saying, as a representative of the Pritzker family, I will have you know that JB owns several shovel <laughs> companies. And it's been a leading light in shovel innovation. That's very good. All right. Let's shovel see. innovation. All right. Let's see. Ricky weighs in. Says Pritzker shoveling while sitting on one of his. Okay. The to- another toilet joke. All right, guys. <laughs> it didn't work for Rauner. He tried to make. Remember when Rauner at the commercials when it was Toilet Gate was erupting? Yeah. Uh, had the, the JB Pritzker Toilet Company. Remember that? 
that didn't really work so well. Let's say here, KMA Barry also weighed in. Can't JB work out an arrangement with Lori and have streets and sanitation <laughs> take care of his shoveling requirements? Well, they work for Ed Burke. If you recall, uh, Ed Burke used to, I wonder if he still gets it. He would be put at the front of the list. Uh, his street would be shoveled before anybody, or uh, cleaned uh, before anybody else's. So maybe JB could cut a deal with Ed Burke. All right, I think that's all we got there for uh, the JB Pritzker shoveling question. Right. Feel free to weigh in on the live stream, everybody. Uh, we'll more than likely read your answer. And hey, uh, I guess we're going to find out sooner or later if J.B. Pritzker has a do not hire list out there, huh? <laughs> I don't know, man. I just don't think that's uh, J.B. Pritzker style. I hope not. Uh, but uh, listen, I, I'm, I, I'll re- end it with this. I think they should take that a do not hire list and do to that list what uh, Nancy Pelosi did to Donald John Trump's speech. Shh. There's no reason to have a do not hire list. It sounds like a political hit list. Yeah, here, here's the list. Uh, the, the part of the article where uh, Fran Spillman explains what you have to do to get off the list. The criteria for getting off the list also notes. may warrant a second look. As it stands, those on the list may petition for removal only once every two years and only after providing proof the designation is, quote, no longer valid or should be excused. Okay. This really is uh, Orwellian. They don't even tell, like in the case of McCaffrey, we don't even know why he's on the list, what he did wrong to get on the list. So now he has to, what does he have to do? has to provide proof that the designation is no longer valid or should be excused. Well, if we don't know why he was designated in the first place, how can he come up with proof that it's no longer valid. It's McCarthyism. Take that list. Pretend you're Nancy Pelosi and it's Donnie Trump's uh, State of the Union speech and rip it up. All right. Miles Camflassen has entered the studio. We'll pose the question to him real quick before we go to break. I don't know if he's been listening or not, but the question of the day, since it's so snowy out there and it seems like J.B. Pritzker's got the day off, no public event scheduled. Does J.B. Pritzker shovel his own driveway or sidewalk? Hard to believe that the guy with extra toilets to, you know, oh. get the tax rebates out there shoveling his walk. But maybe, you know, JB's kind of an old school kind of guy. You know, he loves Gilligan Island, Gilligan's Island. He likes the Eagles, right? Yeah, he does love the Eagles. He loves Gilligan's Island. I, I thought that part. He, I know he likes oh. Lost. There was that ca- classic campaign ad where he went in about his pop culture. Yeah, you know. I don't remember Gilligan's Island or Lost. I remember the Eagles. Yeah, the Eagles. I, I did not see eye to eye with him on the Eagles. Not a big Eagles fan on this show. Uh, I hope I hope JB's out there doing perfect it. person. So there you are, everybody. Feel free to weigh in on the live stream chat. Well, you know, we can talk about more things that J.B. Pritzker shovel in his driveway. Uh, we welcome that as well. We'll be right back. Miles Kamflassen is with us. We're going to talk things, all things Bernie, 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 progressive politics and more Bernie. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. 
Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. Chicagoland Cremation Options.com. One more time. Chicago Land Cremation Options.com. I'm here with former Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel, Chief of Staff to President Obama, somebody who knows Joe Biden very well. Give us uh, your rating of his performance so far, Rahm. Well, I think uh, Joe Biden brought energy. That was his first, uh, I think, hurdle he had to clear. He brought passion uh, to this effort, and I also thought he brought a nice, uh, more, it was a gesture to Beto, the way he handled, obviously, what happened in El Paso. So on that level, he is engaged, and I also think he did something very smart. On health care, he made Bernie his foil, not Elizabeth Warren, which was smart uh, in that effort uh, in that time. I also got to say this. I thought Amy, uh, Kamala, and uh, Beto all had their moments. I, I, I think the person that got hurt so far is Castro. He looked mean. He looked petty, some people were saying on Twitter, but we oh, didn't see, see there's still yeah, about... Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Miles Conflast in the studio, the pride and joy of Whitney Young High School. Once a dolphin, always a dolphin. Uh, he's here, though, let's, not as a dolphin. Let's hear that dolphin roar. I don't even know what our... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> You're the dolphins. You didn't know that? I, I No, I know. I, I know very well. Were you I mean, on the swim team? I was not on the swim team. I wasn't on any. I wasn't good enough to be on any of the teams. I, I played basketball in, uh, you know, eighth grade. I was an Aki there, so in the academic Oh, my center, God, so. folks. An Aki. <laughs> Those are like the super smart kids. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. A little nerdy. So, yeah, did not make uh, Whitney Young's uh, men's basketball team. But, well, they're they're you know, a hell of a basketball But Jahil Okafor, we got, you know, there's a lot of Whitney Young pride and joy. Uh, is correct. A great basketball player. DeFrance Smart. Let's give DeFrance a shout out. All right. Uh, Miles Conflasso, but he's here not as a Whitney Young grad, not as a resident of Beverly, not as a lifelong Chicago Chicagoan, but as a journalist for In These Times, big time Bernie Sanders supporter. Uh, I've been wanting to talk to you about this for a long time. I want to put on at the back end of the list to get to it. Um, the New York Times. <sighs> Curious. Uh, attitude toward Bernie Sanders. You know, I, I'm i a lifelong reader of the New York Times, a home subscriber to the New York Times, so I'm supporting this edifice, okay? Yeah. Their hostility to Bernie Sanders is beyond... It, 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 I, have, I, I don't understand it, and um, I know you're a Bernie Sanders supporter. I, right now, he's number one on my list. I'm not as passionate for him as you are, so I understand the consternation that moderates have, but Miles are over the top. You know what? Let's just talk about it now. Yeah. I've raised this. It, here's the headline uh, on the New York Times today. Sanders on rise, anxiety deepens among centrists. Now, I know my beloved centrists. I talk to them all the time. Our little concern. But anxiety deepens among centrists over Bernie Sanders. I just... It seems like they're really trying to provoke this notion, to provoke centrists to, um, to, to, to broadcast this notion that Bernie Sanders would be uh, the end of the Democratic Party. That not only would Donald Trump win re-election if Bernie Sanders is the nominee, but the, the Senate would remain uh, Republican. The House would go back to being Republican, and Democrats all down the list would lose. 
And Miles, I'm just going to point out to you, the most popular president for many New York Times uh, writers was the president who was in the White House when the Democrats lost the House, lost the Senate, and lost many down ballot positions, lost state legislative seats, and that would be one Barack Obama. So this notion that Bernie's leftist uh, rhetoric and worldview will mean gloom and doom for the Democrats is not really borne out by recent history, if you follow what I'm saying. So please explain, do, do you share my sense that the New York Times has this deep uh, hostility to Bernie Sanders? Well, so the headline you just read is a news headline. And if you you know go a few pages in, you go to the opinion section, you see Nicholas Kristof's uh, opinion uh, uh, article, and it says, I worry about Sanders and his coattails. So, you know, it's a paper that is like, you know, speaking to itself in so many ways and therefore not really reaching so many, you know, what is fueling Bernie Sanders' rise in popularity? The reason he's, you know, the most liked candidate in the race, the reason he's the most trusted on all of the issues that uh, Democratic voters list as the most important to them from, you know, health care to dealing with the levels of economic inequality in our country, the, you know, that's not shared by the editorial board of the New York Times, that type of, you know, the, the reason that he's appealing to all the um, Democratic electorate uh, populations that he is that he has won in the two races that he's won, uh, that's just not reflected by you know Nicholas Kristof, for example, or you know you saw Thomas Friedman writing an ode to Michael Bloomberg, you know basically pleading with him to <laughs> come in and yeah. take over the race and you know be the adult in the room. Um, James Carville, the you know this longtime uh, Clinton operative, said pretty much exactly what you just said. I mean, he said this will be the end of days for the Democratic Party if uh, if Bernie Sanders is elected. What we all need to keep in mind, I think, we just went through an election where the New York Times and you know all of the media establishment assured us that there was one candidate who was most qualified in history, who was uniquely positioned to take on um, not just Donald Trump and the Repub- but the Republican Party as a whole because they'd fought you know against the Republicans and been vetted and you know checked off every box that they're now listing as you know reasons Bernie Sanders can't win the nomination. That candidate. Uh, Hillary Clinton lost to Donald Trump in, you know, a very disastrous fashion. I mean, she, of course, won the popular vote, but she's not president today. And, you know, the Senate is in Republican hands. We have uh, new Supreme Court justices, two new appointments by Donald Trump. They're going to change the judicial landscape in this country for decades going forward. So there's but there was never any accountability by these same, you know, pontificators and commentators who were advising us we needed to be safe you know we needed to take the safe route go with a centrist go with somebody that's you know not going to rattle the boat or anything well that's the same reason that they're giving for backing michael bloomberg or backing joe biden right now when what we see is we're in a clearly an anti-establishment mood in the country right now people are sick and fed up of how they've uh, been treated by that by the way the healthcare system has treated them the fact that you know there was no accountability for this financial crisis that wiped out people's savings for, um, you know, for, for decades going forward in their lives, they're upset and, you know, they're not seeing their wages grow. They're not seeing any type of meaningful 
change. They're not seeing healthcare coverage really expand to reach the people that have been shut out of the healthcare system for their entire lives. And what Bernie Sanders represents is a change to that system. And, and therefore, it is a threat. And the reason that there's so much hand-wringing, I think, is partially because these people all have an economic and personal interest in maintaining the status quo. They know that if you know, they might keep their jobs as commentators at the New York Times, but so many of these people have other gigs, other places, their family members are related, uh, you know, are working for their campaigns or involved in think tanks and the whole, you know, ecosystem of politics that exists right now that has been fairly um, consistent throughout various different Democratic administrations. And that likely would not be the case if Bernie Sanders is president, because he would appoint, you know, a new DNC, he'd build, he'd be turning to different types of think tanks, different types of advisors that have traditionally been involved in the Democratic Party. So I think people really see him as a personal threat to them. That doesn't mean that, you know, he's going to d- blow up the Democratic Party. I mean, he's definitely going to change it and, and drive it in a different direction. But there's no evidence to any of these claims people are saying, you know, of course, you could raise the specter of Democrats losing the House and the Senate and try to freak people out. But, you know, there's no evidence to back that up other than saying, you know, Bernie Sanders is a unique candidate and we haven't really seen one run on a major party ticket uh, in, in the same way. But that that's the same evidence that Bernie Sanders gives for why he's best positioned to drive, to bring out new voters, to appeal to independents, to um, galvanize young voters who traditionally have not been as engaged in the political system. So I just think, you know, we're going to see more of this, right? It seems like every time there's any type of boost to Bernie Sanders and winning an election or him rising in the polls, there's an immediate backlash of some sort. Um, and so much of this has just been, you know, the same people that we constantly hear from talking about um, why the Democratic Party needs to take a more moderate lane. Now they're saying, you know, we can't risk a candidate running who just happens to disagree with those policy positions. And so I think we should understand it as, you know, these, this is their personal interest at stake. Well, it, uh, I, I, I'm listening to what you're saying, and I realize that uh, you're correct, that this is a very unique moment. Uh, in democratic politics, in American politics, uh, Bernie Sanders is has gotten further than any other candidate of his ideology. No democratic candidate is to the far as far left as Bernie is. No prominent democratic candidate. I remember when Dennis Kucinich ran back in two thousand and eight. I think it was he ran in two thousand and eight. Uh, he was completely on the fringes of the Democratic Party. Uh, he, his campaign ended after uh, Iowa. Uh, Howard Dean, who's not even as left as Bernie on, on many issues, uh, his his candidacy ended after Iowa uh, it was at 2004. I want to say against John Kerry. So Bernie has gotten further uh, than anybody else. He's two for two. He won Iowa, popular vote anyway. Uh, if we can trust anything that comes out of Iowa in terms of vote counting. And he, he just won New Hampshire. We're going to talk about that in, for, in greater detail. So um, he's gotten further. So we don't know. I can't sit here, Miles, and say definitively that um, Bernie Sanders will be elected, that he will carry uh, the Senate, uh, that he will bring the, the Democrats back in charge of the Senate. I don't know. I also do not know that there's the model that James Carvel represents does not work 
the model that Jay Carvel represents in the New York Times is advocating has never sustained a Democratic majority. Yeah. They never held on. The Democrats would, it, it's all based on, he, his famous line is, it's the economy stupid. So like if the economy is bad, Democrats will prevail and will take control. As soon as the comedy economy improves a little bit, Democrats lose. Yeah. So the notion that you link your party to the downfall of the economy is, is you hope that doesn't last. You follow yeah. what I'm saying? Because you all, you hope that we don't have depression in this country. Well, and I think it depends on what you look at as the indicators for what is the economy doing well mean. You know, Donald Trump is going and giving his State of the Union, bragging and boasting about how stock markets hitting new heights, and you know we're creating all these new jobs and lowering unemployment. Well, look at the actual indicators for people's jobs. I mean, wag- wages are stagnant. There, you know, uh, people don't. Most people don't have enough money to deal with, you know, a, a family emergency. Basically, you know, have cash on hand to deal with some kind of devastating injury, or because their healthcare isn't covered. Most people uh, in this country are at the whim of their employer. They don't have security at their job. You know, they don't have the uh, just cause employment. The fact is that uh, you know unemployment is going down but people are also working more taking on more work in order to cover the same basic expenses that you know were much more easily covered 10 you know 15 30 40 years ago the trend lines of economic life in this country are it's becoming harder and harder to survive college expenses debt is exploding household debt is exploding these are all things that people actually deal with on a daily uh, uh, you know daily basis it may be that you know the the stock market's doing well but as we saw from you know this tax bill that Trump uh, passed in 2017 over 80% of the gains are going to the super rich that's how this econ- economy has been set up it's so that you know there's it's, it we're not pushing on the uh, m- most profitable corporate entities in this country to actually cover uh, social programs that would uplift working people in this country. In fact, we're you know setting up the economy so it's impossible for people to even get those benefits. They have to jump through hoops and everything's you know means tested. The most popular programs in this country are Social Security and Medicare. Why? Because they're universal. They cover people. You know, you just you're 65 and you can access Medicare. You know, you get, you get a Social Security payment, and people love that. They want to hold on to that, and that is the kind of thing that's under threat both by what Donald Trump. Trump says, I mean, he just put out a budget that would, you know, slash social programs and what, you know, the supposedly electable centrist moderate Democrats like Joe Biden have been pushing, you know, is, is also cuts to these same types of programs. That's why Bernie Sanders running on an agenda says, no, expand them. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to make, you know, corporations pay their fair share. I mean, I under I take your point of like he has the most left wing ideology, but I don't think most people are caring about ideology. They're caring about like how somebody is running for president and what they what their, you know, not just what their agenda is and what their plans are, but how they view the world. And, you know, what Barney constantly says is healthcare is a human right. You know, you, we should, public college should be free, tuition free. Yeah. You shouldn't have to be, lo- you know, loaded with this student debt. And that's just, you know, he's making his claim and he has policies to back that up. But it's not so much, I don't think it's so much about, I don't think people are choosing him because of ideology. They're choosing him because he's making a lot more sense than the standard political fare that we've been offered for so many decades in our lives. Well, I, I, I mentioned his left wing. The reason I, in that particular moment, I, I mentioned his left wing ideology and I'll, I'll, I'll go back to this point is that 
Let's put aside any notion that the reason some of these commentators are against Bernie, uh, as you were suggesting, is they have uh, a vested interest in being against Bernie. All right, let's just put that to a side. And let's just assume that they have a genuine concern about uh, not seeing Trump reelected. Sure. Okay, let's just work from that assumption that they're honorable people and, they, and they're concerned. They're working from an assumption that's uh, embedded in uh, the last 40 years of elections that if you go too far to the left, you will uh, lose. And this is embedded in the 1972. It's the foundation piece of this is the 1972 presidential election when George McGovern got clobbered by Richard Nixon. And that's the lesson, the prevailing lesson that has ru ruled the Democratic Party uh, ever since. And uh, so the notion that somebody who is to the left of where probably McGovern was, I, uh, or had a campaign very similar to one that Jesse Jackson had in 88, would be the standard bearer, um, is uncharted waters. Nobody knows, we never had one before. So we don't know what the impact would be. So I can't sit here and say absolutely Carvel's wrong. I just know he doesn't know either. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's, you're exactly right. I mean, there, it's just, it's all to say that this is people getting paid to pontificate and you know that very very well might be their number one concern might be politically trying to you know defeat donald trump and really seeing bernie sanders as more of a risk what i would just ask those people or you know or 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 counter that with is we what we've what we have seen is that you know bernie sanders has raised more money than any other uh, and from more donors than anybody else running for president ever in American history, right? He's built up a grassroots movement that is powered by the very communities that are key to Democrats winning, to you know, young people uh, and uh, specifically young people of color and low-income voters that you know traditionally don't come out. These are the people that form the backbone of his campaign, as we've talked about before. You know, the people that are his you know most common donors are people that work at you know chain stores and. Are our teachers and work at the post office, you know, this is the exact opposite of the approach of um, not just Michael Bloomberg, who's completely self-funding his campaign with his, you know, m many, many billions of dollars, but also all of these politicians that continually dial for corporate dollars or they, you know, host fundraisers and wine caves. And therefore, you know, that, that, but that, <laughs> <Good> judge. <laughs> and, and, and that impacts the type of, you know, communities that they're trying to represent. Yeah. And so I would just posit that, look, if you want, we're, it's going to be a risk, no matter what. Who we nominate against Donald Trump is going to be a risk. If it's if it's Joe Biden who keeps you know finishing fourth, fifth place, it won't be Joe Biden. If it's you know if it's Michael Bloomberg who is just running this complete plutocracy style campaign where he's just saying I you know I'm I can buy this election for you, so go with me, or whether it's one of these other you know uh, centrists that are just changing their their agendas completely based on which way the wind is blowing, like Pete Buttigieg, in order to you know get a leg up. They're all going to be a risk against Donald Trump. So maybe it, you know, is not such a crazy idea to think that Bernie Sanders, the candidate that is, you know, uh, commanding the most support from the very uh, communities the Democratic Party says it is, you know, as, that it is supposed to represent. Maybe they're the candidate, and the one that happens to be winning the elections. Maybe that is the best candidate that's uh, uh, set to go against Trump. And also, I'd posit, look, Trump said on this phone call that got released through this Lev Parnas. Uh, uh, case that 
he didn't, the one candidate he didn't want Hillary Clinton to pick as her vice presidential nominee in 2016 was Bernie Sanders. And because he, you know, as, as Trump said, he's, you know, he's smart on trade. He's right about trade. He stands up for working people. He said the same thing about, you know, Bloomberg versus Sanders. He'd much rather go go up against Bloomberg than Sanders. So I don't know if Trump knows what was, is going to be best either, you know, if, if we should even believe him. But all the indications are that Sanders would be a formidable opponent to Donald Trump. Well, I, the, the common theme that is almost in every single one of those. I see you have the New York yeah. Times. You printed out the New York Times uh, columns because uh, uh, I poor poor Miles. I gave him an assignment. Read these columns, <laughs> uh, and the common theme that comes up in every single one, or common point that they make over and over again, is wait till the public sees yeah. the pictures of Bernie Sanders on his honeymoon in the Soviet Union, and I'm like. <laughs> Nothing to me says you're out of touch, like thinking that the public cares about the. Do you realize I just, there's another story in the New York Times that while they're writing this, there is a, a radio station uh, in Kansas. I, was it Kansas? I want to say I'm suddenly blanking. Maybe it wasn't Kansas. I apologize. No, it is uh, in Kansas City, so it's Missouri. Uh, that uh, is run by Putin. It's um, uh, Sputnik Radio. And it's it's basically coming at a very like Trumpian worldview about how liberals are destroying our country. Okay, so suddenly the message is somehow or other going to be that Bernie Sanders is a threat because he took his honeymoon in the Soviet Union, which doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> right? Okay, most millennials don't even vaguely are aware that it ever existed. Uh, and the current president of Russia, who is an ally of Donald Trump, used to run the KGB. So somehow or other, we're supposed to, we're going to be really frightened about Bernie Sanders' honeymoon in the Soviet Union in the 80s, even though Donald Trump's ally is is Putin. The things they worry about. Yeah. Miles, do you follow on? Yeah, that's saying? not that's not. I mean, I've spent a lot of time knocking doors, not just for you know Bernie Sanders, for all kinds of candidates uh, and and causes. I've never heard anybody at the doors talk about Russia. No, gotta not. say. So I do understand these are real issues, but and yeah. I wanted to play the uh, the Chuck Todd clip. I'm sure you've heard this. Please. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. This happened on Monday. I told Ben about this yeah. last night. You, you haven't heard it. Yet, I have right? not heard this. All right, this is the Chuck Todd comment. This was right before New Hampshire. NBC's like you know pre New Hampshire primary special. Chuck Todd, worst haircut in all of political news. Hey, I want to bring up something that um, Jonathan um, last put in the uh, bulwark today, and it was about how, in Ruth, we've all been on the on the receiving end of the, of the Bernie online brigade, and here's what he says. He says, no other candidate has anything like this sort of digital brown shirt brigade, I mean, except for Donald Trump. The question no one is asking is this. What if you can't win the presidency without an online mob? What if we now live in a world where having a bullying agro-social media army running around, popping anyone who sticks their head up is either an important ingredient for or a critical market marker of success. Wow. Okay, that's. I like know everybody's freaking out about this, but you saw the MAGA rally that's preparing around here. That, that was Chuck Todd talking. Digital brown shirts. 
Was he quoting somebody or was that just off the top of his head? Well, he was quoting somebody and then he went back and said, hey, you know, it kind of reminds me of Bernie talking about Trump, the Trump supporters. I mean, this is the, obviously Bernie Sanders is somebody whose family was, um, you know, murdered in the Holocaust by um, by Hitler's army. And it's just it, it's really sick. The levels that, you know, people are, are going to in order to defame him and his supporters, you know, like that's uh, calling, you know, people a mob. And it's it just has the impact of reinforcing forcing so much of people's cynicism about politics and the media establishment, you know, because people don't, it's, it's similar. I mean, it's, it's different, but it's similar to the deplorables comment. You know, it's, it has the impact. These things have the impact of people feeling like they're not being represented. If anything, they're being talked down to, you know, and treated as if they don't matter by the um, political and uh, media elite in this country of which Chuck, Chuck Todd is a perfect emblem. So, I mean, that's, it's very disturbing to hear that kind of language. Um, but it's just become a normal fair in our you know political culture right now yeah bernie sanders is coming at things uh from a different vantage point to put it mildly than like a chuck todd and uh so in that respect i guess he's frightening uh in that respect you're in that respect uh like the mainstream types would turn against him and invariably the questions would all underscore a point how could you possibly win how do you possibly think you could win and it's building and building a crescendo not only can he not possibly win but he'll bring down every single democrat and i'll just repeat this i just got to say this one more time it was on barack obama's watch that the democratic party lost the senate and the house and and almost a thousand state seats across the country So the old model isn't working. This is what really bothers me about my beloved Democratic Party, among many things, Miles, is that it, they don't seem to try to like figure out what went wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, we need a better candidate, this one. The last candidate was bad. Uh, that's what went wrong. And uh, as opposed to just like a better... I don't know, a message that might mean something to people, a political program that might help people taking a stand against uh, just all the programs, cuts that both parties have advocated, taking a stand against everything like from stop and frisk to (laughs) resting people for reefer. I mean, it just, do you follow what I'm saying? Well, I think that, you know, what, what, what we saw in Bernie Sanders' New Hampshire victory speech, I think, really was a, a general election preview of his argument, you know, that what he plans to run on. And what, what was that about? It was about, you know, Trump is a liar and a fraud and he's betrayed working people in this country. He said he was going to get health care to everybody. He said he would never cut Social Security, Medicare, Social, uh, Social Security. He said uh, that he was going to bring jobs back. He said he was going to stop off, uh, uh, offshoring of jobs. He said he was going to, you know, fight these bad trade deals and renegotiate everything. Well, what do we have? We've got, you know, an, a trade deal that uh, is, doesn't even mention climate change, for one thing, the USMCA, the new NAFTA 2.0, but also which would hardly bring any American jobs back, even by all the most optimistic indicators. We've seen him relentlessly attack m- m- Medicare and Social Security. His Justice Department right now is trying to, you know, relitigate Obamacare so that they can repeal it to throw over 30 million people off of health care. Uh, he is a threat to working people everywhere. His tax bill is just more class warfare for the rich. That's what 
Donald Trump represents. He's not, you know, running against him as some kind of unique uh, uh, threat to democracy. I think, you know, might turn some people on. And it's true. Look what just happened with this Roger Stone case. You know, he's effectively taking over the Justice Department. These are all big threats. But in people's daily lives, the things that they care about is Donald Trump is not just, uh, you know, a threat to our democratic norms. He's just a bad Republican, you know, who's who's wants to hurt working class people. And that's what Bernie Sanders has, brought, has employed time and time again. And, you know, it seems to really piss off Donald Trump. So maybe that's, you know, not such a bad direction to go. And it's one thing that we didn't really see from the Hillary Clinton campaign in 2016, you know, is targeting Trump as just, you know, a, a Republican who wants to undo all of the programs that American people hold so dear. You know, she had a very different approach to how she criticized Trump than what Sanders is representing. The other thing about this whole like moderate, you know, centrist first Bernie thing, one weird phenomenon I've never seen before is like they're going through these results of uh, New Hampshire and they're saying, yeah, tr- Bernie won. But if you clump together these other yeah, you know, no, th- yeah. people, they actually did better than Bernie. So maybe Bernie like didn't really win. Maybe the moderates won. As if, you know, like that's how elections work. You could just Put, you know, throw some people together and say their total outdoes his. Well, that's madness. okay. That gets into um, a talking point that I hear a lot from centrists, and that has to do with the Bernie ceiling. Yeah. I've heard this a million times. That there's a ceiling on Bernie. So the people who lo- like Bernie love him, but they're only what they there's some number thirty a third of the the Democratic Party's electorate. Other than that, everybody is turned off. So he can't rise. And so that's the point they're reinforcing. So I could, if I wanted to play devil's advocate and get in an argument with a centrist, and I love my centrist friends dearly, uh, is, well, all right. So you say if you add, you want to add Klobuchar and Buttigieg together to beat Bernie. Well, I'll take Warren, Mm -hmm. add him to Bernie. Give me Andrew Yang. I'll add him to Bernie. I guess Tulsi Gabbard, I got to add her to Bernie and so on. And so, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's so many ways you could just like pull out the math on this, but none of it, like, look, this is a delegate race. We're going to see 40% of the delegates up for grabs on Super Tuesday, where the majority, you know, the majority um, or the highest number of them in California, where Bernie Sanders consistently pulling ahead. We're going to see, you know, finally Michael Bloomberg actually come onto the scene. It's going to, we're just going to be very, you know, you know, different after after that point in early March, even after, you know, Vegas and South Carolina, which are uh, Nevada and South Carolina, which are coming up as well. So I don't think that, you know, yes, there's a million ways to slice it. I think we're going to see the race shake up more. I think we're going to see more candidates drop out. We're going to see more candidates get behind other ones. And that could uh, change the um uh, some of these figures in terms of support numbers. But when it comes to a ceiling, like who has shown themselves to have less of a ceiling? You know, it's like y- you could you could say that. But the fact is, not only it, I agree. Look, I think that the, the biggest issue for Bernie Sanders right now is appealing to older voters. And they're the ones that are the Which most is consistent. so bizarre. I know, because he's the he's oldest old. candidate in the race. Um, <laughs> and he's running on the agenda that would most help senior citizens. So I think that that's, and, you know, people that are that are aging, because they, you know, the ones that are dependent on Social Security, they're the ones that are still having to pay for vision and dental and all these things that would be covered under Medicare for All. I think there is a more effective case that can be made to bring those people on, because honestly, the people that are going to benefit the most immediately from Sanders program are are not just young people are going to be seniors as well. All right. So let's get to uh, Bloomberg. 
uh, I think I said this last time you're on the show. I say this all the time. If I'm a centrist, sorry, Mayor Pete. Sorry, Amy Klobuchar. Sorry, Joey Biden. My vote would be with Bloomberg. They're all the same in terms of the worldview, right? It's going to be more like Clintonian, Obama, Obama presidency. Uh, so go with the guy with the billions of dollars. Yeah. I mean, if they're all the same, that that's what I would do if I were a centrist. I'm not a centrist, yeah. but that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a... a do you have a feeling about this? Do you feel that people will, centrists will coalesce about Bloomberg along these well, I lines? I think that Michael Bloomberg is a unique threat to our democracy. And I think that because, you know, the definition of plutocracy is government by the wealthy. And right now what we've, you know, what we have is uh, Donald Trump who just brags about being, you know, billionaire all the time and talks about himself as this, you know, great real estate mogul. And um, what Michael Bloomberg has done is sure, I mean, in many ways it's, uh, very savvy and smart and that he has uh, just deployed his many billions of dollars uh, into not just hiring up campaign, you know, operatives and staff with much, you know, higher salaries than any other campaign could possibly offer. So he's, you know, um, stealing out all these people from the field that don't believe in him necessarily because of his politics at all, but because he, you know, can pay the most. But he's also doing a targeted... um, campaigning in that he's not actually going, he's not facing the press, he's not, you know, on the debate stage. Nobody actually sees Michael Bloomberg, but they do see him nonstop on their television, and he's doing micro-targeting in different communities to touch on different issues that are, you know, most important to different demographic areas where he's um, buying these ads. And that's what he did when he ran for mayor of New York as well, you know, and he's very successful at it because he has a whole operation. He runs a massive media empire. So this guy's got, uh, you know, he knows what he's doing in a way a lot of these other incredibly wealthy, um, you know, would-be politicians don't understand in the same way. The problem is that he ran New York City like, you know, authoritarian in many ways. And we talk, if you care about civil liberties, look what was going on in New York. He rounded up protesters during the RNC uh, in 2004, as we remember, occupying campments. He, you know, mass arrests. He was also, you know, ran the stop and frisk program that was ruled unconstitutional, you know, that he had to go to court to defend and then lost. Also, he just attacked unions mercilessly, especially the teachers unions when he was, and and uh, expanded charter schools. This is somebody who was a Republican for you know most of his life, then switched over to an independent. Now he happens to be a Democrat. He openly said that his personal beliefs are far too right wing to win with a Democratic electorate. But he's just putting his faith in the fact that you know people are going to be too freaked out by the prospect of uh, Bernie Sanders' candidacy, which is only you know that that idea is only being fueled by all these mainstream media papers that are running these types of op eds about how you know it's. it's so dangerous to nominate Sanders. And he's just thinking, yeah, well, you just said he'll, the, they'll come home to me because I have the most money and I can buy the election. And look, if you give, if, if I say I can buy, you know, Donald Trump out of office, will you get on with me? That is a huge threat to our democracy. That goes against, you know, all of our beliefs. It's like a society where the will of the people is what actually determines our collective fate. And so um, I think if any independent observer from any place came and looked and saw a, a presidential race that was Michael Bloomberg versus <laughs> Donald Trump, they would not think very much of our, you know, American democracy. Whereas there's a candidate who is appealing to grassroots people that have never been 
involved in politics before that are, you know, filling his campaign events that are completely funding through a grassroots way his campaign. That to me speaks more to how what our aspirations for be should be for how you know people engage in the political process. And to me, it's very clear uh, Bernie Sanders is the only candidate in the race that is doing that. And I think that's why he's winning. And I think that's why we're going to see him win a lot more. All right. And what do you uh, think the future for, in your opinion, Elizabeth Warren is after? you know, Elizabeth Warren, I think is uh, she's run, as I've said, a, a great campaign. I've been worried a little bit about the um, direction that her campaign might take now because it's clear, it's been clear for a long time, I think, that her path has been to um, gain supporters from the Bernie Sanders camp. And as he's kind of taken, the, um, solidified his position as the progressive candidate in the race, we've seen her change that appeal and try to, you know, we've seen voters of hers move off and go to Buttigieg, go to Klobuchar, other um, other candidates in the race. My hope, I mean, she's been a strong progressive uh, voice uh, for a long time, and my hope would be that, you know, she continues to spread that message, whether that's, you know, through running for president or through, you know, working to uh, achieve many of the policy goals she has set out throughout this race of giving, you know, everybody health care, of um, taking on the banking industry and uh, providing some real regulation over our financial system in this country. I hope she continues to uh, succeed in that, uh, in that venture. Yeah. Well, I, I uh, have a feeling we'll be talking about this uh, miles for weeks to come that we're heading toward a broker convention. I got this feeling uh, we were talking about this uh, on election night and a lot of people are at the bar as that were saying, yeah, we're going to have a broker convention. By the way, I just do a shameless plug for our uh, March 3rd show at Promontory Point. We have a great show. Maya and I will be on stage. We've got a bunch of guests that will be with us. Reader-sponsored party. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking at Lisa Salmon. She's ready to rock and roll. She'll be here. <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds like so much fun. When is it again? Uh, uh, March 3rd. At the Promontory. Super Tuesday. Super Tuesday, man. We're gonna uh we're gonna have a like Jeanette Taylor, JT's gonna be there. JT twenty? Yes, JT twenty will be there. Delmarie Cobb will be there. Doesn't get better than Jeanette Taylor and Delmarie Cobb. I don't know if you know this, uh Delmarie Cobb, big time Hillary Clinton fan, mm-hmm. uh, and used to work for Hillary. Uh, Jeanette Taylor, big time Bernie fan. Mm-hmm. They're going to be on stage. I bring them all together. Uh, and it's going to be a it's lot a of fun. It's a big 10. It's a big 10 in the Ben Jarofsky show. Um, so I uh, just wanted that uh, shameless plug. I will be shamelessly plugged. But we're going to be talking about this all the way. I just got this feeling it's going to be a broker convention. Yeah. Uh, I hope. Well, we'll see. I mean, wrong, I think but... there's there's plenty of races left, right? Only two states have uh, ha- have voted yet. Yeah. And obviously there's territories. There's other areas that you know votes are going to come in from. Um, and... We could very easily see, I think, the person that's leading in the polls right now and that is most likely, by all accounts, to become the nominee, Bernie Sanders, seal up enough delegates before then. If not, it's I don't we'll see what happens in Milwaukee, because that's going to be a huge test, I think, of the of the Democratic Party. Well, I got a feeling here's my prediction that the way the um, the the tone and the tenor will emerge and develop. Uh, in the coming primaries and in the coming debates will be, oh my God, take me back in time to 1987 uh, before anyone in this room was born. And uh, uh, Harold Washington was running for re-election and uh, it was Eddie Verdoliak, God, I can do this stuff, and Tom Hines Mm -hmm. were arguing who was better equipped to defeat Harold Washington. They were, so just so you know this, folks, Harold Washington was, the, was a black man and there was two white men. 
All right. So the notion was that if the two white guys run, they'll they'll divide up yeah. the vote. So one has to drop out for the good of white people. Okay. <laughs> and I'm se- seeing this debate emerge. I'm gonna you're gonna hear Amy Klobuchar, Joey Biden. You're gonna hear uh, Michael Bloomberg. They're gonna and uh, old Mayor Pete argue that they're better suited to defeat Bernie Sanders. Yeah. It won't even be about defeating Donald Trump in November. It'll be about defeating Bernie Sanders and stopping. I got a feeling just by reading this the New York Times coverage yeah. and stuff that that's where we're headed. And that would be a damn shame because let's say Bernie Sanders is defeated, then they have to turn on a dime. And 30% of the party, you've just given the middle finger to. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the you I mean for all of the calls and appeals to unity, we have heard relentlessly, you know, from Democratic Party officials, representatives. I think if you want unity, you better, you know, uh, nominate the person that by the end of this process has the most votes and has the most delegates, because that's the way you're going to unify. And anything else, I think, would be utterly divisive. And I, you know, wouldn't wish that upon Democratic Party, especially not in a year when we're facing the most dangerous president, certainly of my lifetime and the most critical election um, in you know, in my lifetime as well. All right. Uh, we have Lisa Solomon and Sparky Rose on deck. We're going to bring them on. Before we do that, uh, do some shameless promoting yourself. Articles people should know about. Sure. We've uh, we got an article right now uh, at InTheseTimes.com that uh, I worked on and edited by Jeff Shirky, really sharp labor reporter, um, actually based here. And it's all about how labor support was really critical to um, to Bernie's win in New Hampshire. That's something that's kind of been overlooked, but the big SEIU local, one of the biggest unions in the state there, backed him. There's this uh, growing formation called Labor for Bernie, which is a lot of rank and file union members of different unions around the uh, country that have come together and are working to um, get their their unions, their locals, their nationals, their internationals to back Sanders. Of course, Sanders has more union support than anybody else in the race right now, but a lot of people want to see their um, their unions get behind them. And as we saw in New Hampshire, it can make a big difference. So check that out at InTheseTimes.com. Um, the article's called, I think, How Labor Support Was Crucial in Bernie's New Hampshire Victory. So check that out. And we got a lot of other stuff. Also, just today, we brought on a new uh, labor reporter who's super sharp named uh, Hamilton Nolan, who's going to be uh, uh covering labor stories for us at Working In These Times. So check that out. He's got a big article up today on the Spectrum strike, which is the longest ongoing strike in the U.S. Um, And yeah, we'll have a lot more great stuff. All right, very good. Miles, thanks so much for coming in. Every Thursday, Miles comes in. And uh, as I said, Sparky Rose, Lisa Salmon on deck. Do a little reefer talk when we come back. Hey, everybody. What you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. 
To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J E F F M as in Mary, A N as in Nancy, U E L P I A N I S T.com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. It's Chicagoland's Adult Entertainment Playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. Hey, and remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Downloaders, we live stream this program. It's true. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time, once again at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. If you go through YouTube, you can join the Ben Jarofsky Show live stream chat, hang out with like-minded political people and a few trolls. It's a good time. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show live stream chat on YouTube. Hour number two on the way.